career-driven individuals. Ready to unlock your potential? Discover William Peace University's School of Professional Studies. Our classes are tailored for the working professional. Attend class on your terms with our online sessions and choose from various start dates throughout the year. Dive into a curriculum designed for success. Every class is a stepping stone that takes you closer to your career goals. Take one or more classes. It's in your hands. Elevate your career with William Peace University's School of Professional Studies. Dive deeper at williampeace.info slash SPS. Your journey begins here. Today, the man convicted of killing Michael Jordan's father, James Jordan, in 1993, had a hearing in Harnett County. And while some thought this could be Daniel Green's ticket to freedom, it didn't turn out that way. WRAL's Amanda Lamb was in the courtroom. Daniel Green was That was last Thursday, the day I watched Daniel Green stand before a judge in courtroom five in Harnett County, North Carolina. He wore a gray t-shirt and white pants and a waist chain. His wrists were shackled. He looked about 10 years older than he did the last time I saw him, which was in 2018. He looked small and out of place in his prison-issued clothing, which was in contrast to the regal courtroom with its high ceilings and dark wood paneling and to the attorneys surrounding him in their dark business suits. Daniel was supposed to be watching his lawyer of six years argue to get him an evidentiary hearing a hearing that could lead to his release from prison, could lead to freedom after almost 30 years. But instead of his lawyer doing the talking, I sat in that courtroom and watched the oral argument be delivered by Daniel himself. And the whole time I'm kind of watching him make this argument, I'm also looking at the clock and I'm thinking he's got 30 minutes to determine the rest of his life. And it's like the time is just ticking down. Like I can feel the time ticking down. Right after the hearing, I got in the news car and recorded that voice memo you just heard. Recording devices weren't allowed in the courtroom. Within a few hours, I'd be on my way to the North Carolina coast to cover Hurricane Ian. But at that moment, I wanted to get everything down on tape from my notes. I didn't want to forget anything because this hearing could mark the end of Daniel Green's decades-long attempt to convince the court that he did not kill Michael Jordan's father, something he has told us again and again in our interviews with him over the years. When it comes you know, to my freedom, like I know I'm not supposed to be here with a life sentence. I didn't kill anybody. I wasn't involved in anybody's death. From WREL Studios, this is Follow the Truth the story of the James Jordan murder and the man who says he didn't do it. Today, how Daniel Green ended up defending himself in court, a conversation with the lawyer who had no choice but to watch it all unfold, and what it means for Daniel's quest for freedom. professionals. It's time to supercharge your career at William Peace University's School of Professional Studies, the smart solution for working adults who want to earn a college degree. Our School for Professional Studies helps you balance work, family, and personal goals with affordable, flexible degree programs. Online, flexible, affordable. Attend classes when it fits your schedule. WPU offers various start dates. So why wait? Take control of your education. Your future is waiting. Explore our programs at williampeace.info slash SPS. William Peace University, where your success takes center stage. At Wake Med MyCare 365, we deliver convenience others only talk about every day of the year. 
primary care and urgent care under one roof. Multiple locations, virtual visits, walk-in or schedule an appointment online. From annual physicals and routine care to sinus infection, strep, or the flu, we couldn't be more convenient. Learn more about our kind of care and our kind of convenience at wakemed.org. The proceedings at the Harnett County Courthouse were to establish if Daniel Green is entitled to an evidentiary hearing based on case law that says if there are facts that were not presented at trial that could have changed the outcome of the case, the defendant deserves this hearing, a hearing that could lead to a new trial. This relates to a North Carolina Supreme Court decision in April of 2021 in a case called The State versus Harley Aaron Allen, dealing with ineffective assistance of counsel and how the court must have an evidentiary hearing before ruling on a claim like this. A North Carolina court gave the man convicted of killing Michael Jordan's father a favorable ruling, the first time since his conviction in 1996. WRL has closely followed Daniel Green's case. In 2020, a judge ruled that Green did not deserve another day in court to have new evidence heard in his case. Now the North Carolina Court of Appeals has vacated that ruling and kicked it back to the same judge for reconsideration. So that's where we were last Thursday, back in Superior Court in light of the Allen ruling. Court was supposed to start at 9, but Daniel was picked up from Tabor City Correctional at 740, and so he didn't arrive until close to 10. Daniel's three lawyers, led by Chris Muma, executive director of the North Carolina Center on Actual Innocence, were permitted to visit with Daniel in a back room before he came into the courtroom. I could hear Chris raising her voice with Daniel as I sat in the first bench of the courtroom, even through the heavy door. I couldn't hear what she was saying, but I could tell from the cadence in her voice that she was upset. When she came out, she was shaking her head. Daniel was then led in by three deputies. Chris says to the judge, can you unshackle my client's hands so he can write? His hands are unshackled. Here's how I remembered it on my voice memo last Thursday. The first thing she said to the judge after that was my client has informed me that he wanted to remove me from the case. She said, I have not asked to be removed. I am committed. I want to remain on the case. Judge Winston Gilchrist then allows Daniel to speak. At some point, Daniel asks him if he is, in fact, Judge Winston Gilchrist. Gilchrist was first assigned to Daniel's case in 2018. Daniel hasn't seen him since the last hearing on December 5th, 2018, and says, you didn't have facial hair the last time I saw you. And the judge says, I've aged. And Daniel says, I have too. For the next 15 minutes or so, Daniel speaks in a very circular way about why he wants to fire his attorneys. His basic argument is that the motion for appropriate relief, an MAR, and by the way, that's a document outlining why a new trial is called for, was filed without information he felt was crucial to the case. The judge's response was to ask him some version of the following question at least a dozen times. Do you want your current lawyers to represent you? And he basically says, you know, right now you have an attorney. You actually have multiple attorneys and we're not going to do hybrid. In other words, you can't represent yourself and have these attorneys. 
he says, quote, if you want to represent yourself, if you have other pro bono lawyers, if you've got other lawyers you've hired, you can do that. I need a straight out answer. And then Daniel says, I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I've been up since 4.30. I've been taking medication. And he goes on to describe how that medication sometimes makes him unsteady. The judge says, unless you tell me you don't want her, I'm going to let her argue. Daniel eventually says, I will represent myself. And the judge says, if you're going to represent yourself, they're out. They're done. Chris Muma says, I have given 100% to Mr. Green's case. My office is still committed. This is not a discharge of my choosing. The judge allows the motion to discharge Daniel's legal team, and he asks Daniel who is going to argue for him. Daniel says, I've been in the hole for two weeks. I was not given notice of this hearing. Daniel is in the hole, that's solitary confinement, quite often. Most of the time, it's for what they call disobeying orders. Daniel calls it speaking his mind. So here he is, fresh out of the hole, in the courtroom, fighting for his freedom. The judge basically says, okay, this is it, Daniel. You have 30 minutes for your oral argument. We'll be right back. Missed fall enrollment? It's your time to shine at William Peace University. WPU is enrolling for the spring semester at our co-ed university in the heart of Raleigh. We offer more than 30 majors, including esports and gaming administration, simulation and game design, and interactive design. Our classes are taught by full professors, and our small class size means you get one-on-one instruction and immersive learning. Plus, we connect students with internships. William Peace University, your time to shine. Get started today at peace.edu. Your heart, it's the only one you have. Fortunately, you also have a choice. Expert cardiologists, talented surgeons, highly skilled specialists, all of whom chose WakeMed. Why? The main reason is the same reason patients choose WakeMed. Everything you need for the best possible care is right here. Learn more at WakeMed.org. WakeMed Heart and Vascular Physicians. Your heart, your choice. Daniel Green had just fired his attorneys, and he didn't have any other attorneys there, pro bono or otherwise, to take up the case. The case to get an evidentiary hearing that could lead to a new trial, or it could lead to his conviction for the murder of James Jordan being vacated altogether. The judge has total discretion here. He can cancel oral arguments and just rule on the filings. He can delay them and reschedule to a later date. Or he can demand that they take place immediately, which is what he did. Judge Gilchrist told the court, this case has been going on for more than a quarter of a century. And he said, quote, it's time for us to decide how we are going to move forward. To be clear, Daniel says his formal education ended in eighth grade. But since he's been in prison, since he was 18, he's educated himself about the law. He tells me he's the guy in the corner, always poring over law books in prison. And he's done a pretty good job of developing a good understanding of the law and how it's applied. In fact, Chris has always said he should go to law school if he's ever released from prison. 
On Thursday, I was in the car as a WREL news photographer drove us back to Raleigh. Here's my description, recorded within an hour after the court proceedings, of what happened next. He begins the 30 minutes, and the best way I can describe this is like if you are a student and you thought your presentation was tomorrow and it was actually today. And what happened was you walk in and somebody says, 30 minutes, go. And so all of a sudden he's in this situation. I mean, he's got these piles of files and notes kind of all falling apart. Looks like not in any real order. And the judge tells him he's got to do his argument. And the first thing he says is, do you have a pad and pen? And somebody hands him a pad and pen, you know, for notes. He was definitely caught off guard. I mean, it was a very, I think, uncomfortable feeling. If you were watching it from the audience, he had several friends there. And then I think there were also several just court watchers who were in the courthouse and heard this was about to happen and came in to watch. But there was kind of almost this gasp, collective gasp, when, you know, he said he was going to do the argument. And he he said over and over, and he's right, this is not about proving innocence. There were errors in this trial. If they had not happened, there would have been a different outcome, he says. It's about justice, he says. It's about the court process itself. So there were these moments of clarity where he made very important points, but because there was a lot of rambling in between, it was really hard to pull it out. Daniel talked about ineffective counsel provided at trial and in his post-conviction proceedings. He talked about the state's case and how the state went with a theory and then tried to make everything fit within the theory, even when it didn't make sense. Daniel talked about how the jury never really determined specifically who was the trigger man, whether it was him or his co-defendant, Larry Demery, and that Larry got a plea deal. He talked about how, at trial, evidence was presented about a robbery conviction that should not have been mentioned and that it impacted the jury. He mentioned the testimony of SBI analyst Jennifer Elwell, who admitted she found no scientific evidence of blood, but then contradicted herself on the stand and said maybe it was blood, possibly influencing the jurors. Daniel said, quote, this is about facts. This is about law. This is about errors. I'm not asking you to assess guilt or innocence. He goes on to say, an evidentiary hearing is warranted. And he says directly to the judge, you have to use your wisdom and apply the law to the facts. All the issues Daniel talked about in his argument are important to the case, but they didn't form the main basis for the MAR. And that is where Chris Muma says it went off the rails. After she was dismissed from the case, Chris had gathered up her files and taken a seat on the bench behind the defendant's table. As Daniel argues his case, I sit directly behind her. She's got fairy hair little pieces of gold threaded through her hair. It's youthful, hopeful, in stark contrast to her body language. She looks deflated. I can see that she's trying to sit up straight, hold her head high, to not show emotion. 
but she is leaning slightly forward in Daniel's direction, listening to every word, like she is ready to jump up and save him if he would only let her. She's hearing the argument that Daniel is making, and she knows that in her lap, she has a file with a typed, well-researched, well-thought-out legal argument that she was ready to present on his behalf. And now she's basically, in her mind, watching that crash and burn. It's, it's kind of, I'm, I'm still kind of in shock. I'm, I'm really sitting there listening to him make the arguments. I was, I was very much in shock that, that it, was, it was very surreal. I spoke with Chris immediately after Daniel's hearing in the vestibule at the front of the courthouse. It wasn't an ideal spot, but we had no other choice. They don't let recording devices into the courthouse through security, not even phones, no exceptions. Outside, the wind ahead of Hurricane Ian was howling. So this was our best option. People were walking in and out of the doors as we talked. It was distracting. But I needed to hear what Chris had to say, what she was feeling in this moment. She was trying to process what had happened, getting fired from the case she had dedicated herself to for six years. He had hinted about it, but, you know, I, Daniel gets very nervous when we get to these critical stages in his case, and, and I, I did not think he would go forward with it for sure. He did want me to bring criminal charges against some of the attorneys who previously worked on the case for both the state and the defense who he felt like they had not been honest with the court. And so he wanted sanctions against them. And, and I told him that our representation was to, to represent him post-conviction and try and get him home, um, try and get him a new trial, get his freedom, and, and that we, we weren't representing him on these other issues. Um, he thought they were combined. Daniel fired his legal team and then he was on his own to present his case for an evidentiary hearing. There were a few times when he made good points and I, I checked him off, you know, and he said, talked about cumulative prejudice and he talked about how the, the Allen decision applies to claims beyond ineffective assistance of counsel. So there were these little glimmers where he hit on the law, but there was a lot of it that was completely unrelated to where we are at this point in time in his case, which is not about what was the evidence at trial and what evidence is now available. The, the only question here is, should the judge reconsider his dis original decision to deny the right to an evidentiary hearing? Are there questions of fact? And, and he and Daniel was unable to bring up uh, the evidence that supported that there are questions of fact that need to be resolved in a hearing. Oh. And it, but it was painful. Yeah, I mean, I watched you. Um, we watched you in the courtroom, and I could see when you, you know, would. I couldn't see you roll your eyes, but I could see when you would nod your head or tip your head or, you know, look very frustrated. But it's not just about frustration. It had to be some despair there, knowing that you could have made these arguments, and he can't. We were very prepared to make the arguments, um, and and very committed to Daniel's case. I remain committed to Daniel's case. I'm sorry he made the decision he made. I think it was the wrong decision, absolutely. And uh, there's nothing that can be done at this point. And that's what you said to the judge. You said, I'm still in this 100%. I've not asked to be let out of this case. Yes, and I do not believe there's any conflict of interest. Our, our interests completely aligned with Daniel's, and that is to get him a new trial and to get him home. So now it's just over for you. I guess it's over for me.
I'll still be watching from the sidelines and I'm happy to help him in any way I can. What do you think is going to happen? I don't know. I don't know. I, you know, I was very strong in my opinion before and, I, and I, I remain strong in my opinion that Daniel deserves an evidentiary hearing. Uh, that was before State v. Allen came down and kind of put an exclamation point on all the points that we raised previously saying he deserves an evidentiary hearing. So I think, I thought the law was clear. Uh, I was confident he would get an evidentiary hearing before. I still think it's the right thing to do to give him an evidentiary hearing, that that is what the law requires. But after 22 years, I've also learned that uh, justice system doesn't always work that way. Chris still thinks the judge might look at the brief and not base his decision on Daniel's oral arguments. In response to Green's argument, the state only argued for about five minutes. And now the judge will take it under advisement and rule at a later date whether or not Daniel will get an evidentiary hearing. Amanda Lamb, WREL News, Harnett County. Outside the courtroom, I spoke to several people who had been inside watching. They didn't want to be identified. But they told me they first learned about Daniel's case through a documentary made by our company, Capital Broadcasting, called Moment of Truth. And now they're also followers and big fans of this podcast. One man told me he wished Daniel's mother could have come to court and spoken with him before he made what the friend saw as a rash decision to fire Chris. Another woman told me through tears she had to leave the courtroom when Daniel was making his argument because she felt like he was blowing his only possible chance at freedom, and she couldn't bear to watch it happen. These supporters actually believed this was Daniel's moment. This was the hearing that would get him one step closer to a trial. And outside court, their hopelessness was palpable. In many ways, despite the hopefulness that Chris has, this does feel like the end to so many of us who have been following this case for years. It feels like this one moment, a moment where Daniel had a decision to turn left or right, a decision to continue on the path with Chris or go it alone is the decision that will define his future. Certainly, many mistakes were made in this case and in Daniel's trial that led to this day. But this decision, this decision to take the case from here on his own, this was Daniel's decision and his decision alone. The stakes are high and the outcome will be on his shoulders now. In a way, it's a commentary on what life in prison does to someone. Can anyone truly defend themselves after being incarcerated for almost three decades? Can anyone under that type of pressure, full of anxiety, and having spent so much time in solitary confinement, someone without a law degree, make an argument that leads to their freedom? Again, the stakes were high, quite possibly too high. We will be waiting for the judge's decision, and we will keep you posted on what happens. Track the case on social media at Follow Truth Pod. Read my blog, transcripts, and case files at followthetruthpod.com. This episode was written and reported by me, Amanda Lamb and produced by Rachel McCarthy. Our director of podcast operations is Anita Normanly, 
and our executive producer is Ashley Talley. Original music is by George Hodge and Lee Rosevere. Thanks for listening. Missed fall enrollment? It's your time to shine at William Peace University. WPU is enrolling for the spring semester at our co-ed university in the heart of Raleigh. We offer more than 30 majors, including esports and gaming administration, simulation and game design, and interactive design. Our classes are taught by full professors, and our small class size means you get one-on-one instruction and immersive learning. Plus, we connect students with internships. William Peace University, your time to shine. Get started today at peace.edu.